Recording in progress. Okay. Okay. I want to welcome everybody to the December 2022 uh, Lawrence Parks and Recreation Advisory Board meeting. You have house cleaning, housekeeping, house cleaning. <laughs> house cleaning. House cleaning. Uh, I'm Roger Steinbrock, the liaison for the Parks and Recreation Advisory Board. This is a hybrid meeting uh, via Zoom and also in person. Uh, we we will have an open uh, point for the public comment for those items that are not on the agenda. If you are wanting to speak to an item that is on the agenda. There will be a time after the presentation by staff, and then the uh, chair, Jackie Becker, will call on individuals with uh, comments to be made for that item on the agenda. Um, we ask people that are in the conversation to please uh, have your camera on. That would be the board members that are online. If you could uh, put your camera on uh, and mute it, and then as you are uh, speaking, uh, you know, you can turn on your camera and then unmute. Uh, during that open period, we will ask ask people to raise their hand with a little raise your hand signal that's on the Zoom features for people online. And then those, if there's anybody in the room with public comment, we will call on them and then follow up with the folks online. Um, with all of those things done, I'll pass it back over to the chair, Jackie Becker. All right. Uh, well, welcome everybody. And our first thing that we need to be doing is approving the minutes for November. So either look them over now, or if you look them over, let us know if there's any changes. If not, I'm looking for a motion to approve. Uh, Jackie, this is Val Renault, board member. I just noticed that Derek wasn't included in the uh, list of people present, and I didn't know if he was supposed to be there speaking as an editor i always notice these weird little details <laughs> i think it just has the staff liaison listed on here okay yeah i think that it's a selection box so he's never so, been on there okay. but his name is in there right. so, so okay. thanks for that val we are okay to leave it as is i know you guys are let me hurry Now very observant, and I will look into it to see if we can add the other folks. And, and I can probably just add that in the in the comment, you know, in the call to order area. Uh, Amber Nickel, board member, I'll make a motion to approve the minutes of the November meeting. Pat Phillips, board member, I second it. Right. We have a motion from Amber Nickel and a second from Pat Phillips. All those in favor of confirming and approving the minutes for November, raise your hand, say aye. Aye. Okay. Motion carries unanimous. Thank you. We are now moving into C, the public comment area. And as mentioned earlier, if it's related to something that is 
on our agenda. We'll save those until after. So if there's any public comment related to something other than what is not on our agenda, now is your time and let us know. Here's that there is no public comment. So we can head to D, our agenda items. Uh, number one on that is the winter emergency shelter update. Good evening. Uh, my name is Mitch Young. I am um, with Parks and Recreation, Park District Supervisor. I also have that dotted line position of houses liaison that I've had for three years. Um, when asked by the city manager's office and our director to step up and, and um, do the winter emergency shelter and hotels. Um, I wanted to come tonight just to update everybody um, where we are and, and this, so far this since we've opened. Uh, we are currently about 42 people. Um, that's our highest number was last night. It's growing a little slowly. Uh, we started off with almost 30 right out of the gate and we're up to uh, to 45, or excuse me, 42. Um, things are going very well. Um, we made some changes from last year. Um, we uh, used to store a lot of the belongings inside and we've often seen the site box out here, but now we have the storage outside that addressed some of the issues we had, uh, some of the building concerns we had. Um, and then we also changed with the, um, we don't have a microwave this year. So that helping with, um, but we do have hot water. So there's are some food options available. Um, we are still looking for donations. Um, we struggle a little bit in that area. Um, um, we are able to get out on social media that we're needing um, the items that we have on our list, uh, basically just protein items. Uh, we're still looking for um, anything that can be ate out of a cup or eaten out of a cup, I should say, um, where you just add warm uh, hot water. Um, supplies, otherwise, um, funding. We did start out the shelter with some basic items that were needed. Um, now we're asking the community to step forward, um, businesses, not, not for profits, whoever, to uh, help address some of those issues we're looking for. And what it basically is, is always the same. It's hats, gloves, and hand warmers um, are the, the, the main things that, that usually are needed. Um, a lot of the hygiene products we've got caught up on pretty good. Uh, we've had good donations from the community on that. But I just come here tonight just to give you a little update kind of where we are. And we appreciate us, appreciate you letting us use your building, uh, the Park Road building, the city building. Um, but everything has been going pretty well. So if there's any questions I can answer for you. How's the number of volunteers? Oh, this is Pat Phillips, board member. How's the number of volunteers? I know there was a shortage for the So uh, this year, uh, we sent out 114 letters to churches, uh, non-for-profits, um, service organizations, trying to get seven nights covered. Uh, we were able to get one night covered by First United Methodist Church. Um, so they are doing tonight. So they'll, they'll do that shift to where we don't have any city staff there. Um, we did have to hire staff to do the overnights. We didn't have any luck, have a few, but we did a uh, few volunteers, but not many. So we did have to hire those positions. And then um, the executive team of City Hall took a night as well. They take Saturday nights. So we, but we also have paid positions on the overnight. So didn't have as good a response we were looking for. Um, but, you know, those two nights, uh, 
allows me to not come in for two nights. So, so, um, so we're doing okay. We're, we're, we got the um, sign up genius out, and we're it's getting filled up. We're we're going a little slow at times, but people kind of step in at the last moment when it helps. Rob, quick follow up. Are you still accepting when you say sign up? Is that for your staff or is that still for volunteers? That's for volunteers. Okay. Yeah, we have hired everybody that we need to hire. Um, so um, we are okay there. We are okay there. John um, Nelvandia, board member. Um, with the list um, of items that you need, for some of us, it would be easier just to donate some money. But that's not, you know, you, you haven't solicited that. It's not that. So what we are doing, uh, it's, and Derek can help me. What's it, what's that time? Douglas County. Um, Douglas County Community Foundation. Community Foundation. Yeah, so we we are able to accept those to the Douglas County Community Foundation. So, and I, and I if I didn't reply to your email, I apologize. Okay, yeah. Uh, I forget his name, but uh, the gentleman there, he is aware that donations could come in and chip, chip, yeah, chip. Um, he is aware that donations could come in. We probably should publicize that a little bit. Okay, I will, I will get with our, our team. Do we do we have any responsibility, or what is our responsibility for the North Lawrence uh, uh, tent camps? I'll let Mitch cover that. So. So that is a city-ran project. Yeah, that is a city-ran project. Right. So I have, you're asking responsibility. As so we we've added water. We've added water. We've added a few. Is it parks and rec responsibility? What is it? Parks and rec responsibility. No. So whose responsibility is that? PDS Planning Development Services. Want to give a rundown of how that chain works and how that works different from the winter emergency shelter. Right. So, um, Plan Development Service started a housing initiative division. So, there's Danny uh, Walters, that's manager of that. Then there's uh, Jen Woosley, Cicely Thornton, and then myself. They are two. They are two full-time uh, PDS HID uh, employees, and I just have that dotted line position. So, that camp was started. Jen started that. So, Jen's kind of over the support site, and then Cicely is doing the winter emergency shelter and I'm I've kind of stepped aside and then she's taken that lead but I'm still there working with her of course and and taking care of that so yes Jen Woosley is the uh the uh, person that's in charge of that she's not part of parts of planning housing yeah the, okay. yeah and housing and education division so we support or you support it as needed so all city departments it's almost like I don't want to use the word incident commander, but Jeff Creek is the director for planning development services. If Jeff or Danny say, hey, can we have public works MSO provide uh, install this water, do this, do this, or parks and rec. So they're doing the coordination and, and parks and rec might say, hey, can you do this for us? And they go, yeah, I can, but that's low on our priority. We're going to do something else. So it's kind of like there's a fire or something, an emergency. Okay. They've got a good handle on it. Okay. Yeah, there's a lot of departments that have stepped up to to do the different things that have been uh, needed to to make that program. It'd be nice to have a the equivalent of an org chart. 
Yeah. I, I mean, just so people could, I don't know, maybe I'm the only one who's really interested in who has responsibility for what. But for this initiative being so new, it, I, I could see it. If, People in my department are confused, and there's people in the public that maybe don't understand what is the housing initiatives group, what is the homeless yes. programs, and so that I think we could do a better job as a city communicating how how that works. Yes. Out. So, um, Jack Becker, uh, my question is: Over the holidays, do you feel like everything's going to be staffed? Is there anything extra community-wise that we can? assist with, you know, uh, sure. holidays uh, there's, for everyone? Sure, there's a board member um, on the Independence Inc. that is, he raised some funds and they're going to be doing a uh, New Year's Eve. So uh, he's asked if we could uh, leave the lights on until 1215, 1230. Um, they want to bring in um, some gift bags. Um, they want to have some apple cider, plastic uh, bottles, of course, and um, have some snacks and things like that. So there's somebody that's come forward who wants to do that. As for Christmas Eve, no. Um, we do ha have some pretty good volunteers for that night already, so we're looking pretty good there. But that's the only event that I'm aware of. Jackie, this is Marilyn Hull, board member. Um, Mitch, or actually this is a question for Derek Moore. Derek, um, how is the support Support of the shelter impacting the parks and recreation budget, either through cash spending or in-kind services. Derek Rush, Director of Parks and Recreation. I think your question would relate more to Lindsay. On are you asking? Is it impacting, say, the uh, first program or class that we offer in the community building in the morning and at the end of the evening? And no, my question is more, are there parks and rec staff that we are paying to do tasks associated with the shelter? And if so, are we getting reimbursed for that from City Hall? I'm just anticipating our, our bigger budget uh, conversation and wondering if you guys are being asked to do um, some additional work that you're not reimbursed for or, or that's not budgeted. And Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation, and I'm going to look to Mitch first because I think everything that if we spend out of our budget, we're getting reimbursed by the Homeless Initiatives Division. So none of that is that I'm aware of is remaining in our budget. Uh, Mitch Young, Parks and Recreation. So, yes, to answer your question, uh, we do have a separate budget for that. So, um, um, I have been making purchases throughout the throughout getting ready for this, and since when we started support tonight, so all of those are paid out of the out of the HID or the HID, which is paying governmental uh, services. So my salary is the only thing that I like. Said on the dotted line, um, probably less than. Uh, put it this way, I haven't asked anything of our our park staff. Uh, in three or four weeks, and usually it's just um, little things that help help me get a pallet of water or something. So it's usually just a little bit of a time. Um, we are getting the the building cleaned and the overnight would it, as would normally be cleaned. It's being just they altered their schedule, so we are out of there. But we usually leave it in pretty good shape. And we don't have any issues uh, when we leave. The gym floor is ready to be played on. Um, a lot of the staff we have hired are parking lot staff. 
with their uh, record centers uh, leaders or acquiring staff looking to pick up some extra funds, and it does not interfere with their their normal job with Park and Rec. Okay, thank you. Any other questions or comments for Mitch? Thank you. Thank you so much for stopping in, updating us. All right, we're going to move on to number two, which is the 2023 Parks and Recreation Fees presentation. Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. Uh, this is going to be a two-part presentation. I'm going to open it up, and Lindsay's going to carry the majority of it, and then we'll come back and regroup at the end of the presentation. Um, before we go to the next slide, I just want to talk. Um, one, if you can save your questions till the end of the presentation, I'll we'll give the opportunity for, for input. Uh, secondly, um, how our budget processes work. Usually we start budgeting in the spring of the calendar year for the following year's budget. So we'll start working on uh, the department's budget. And as we go forward, um, that again, um, we'll start working with the city manager's office and then the department budgets evolve into the city manager's recommended, recommended budget. And that gets presented to the city commission usually around May. And then um, there'll be tweaks by the city commission or modifications, and it needs to be certified to the state in August, I believe. I think I'm getting my head nods. So yeah, another question, just kind of getting uh, off to the start. Our cost recovery um, model philosophy, and I'll get into a little later, is we'll recover should recover a percentage of the budget, which is supported by subsidy. And our uniqueness with how we operate in the city of Lawrence and facilities um, provides some challenges to meeting, uh, I think, our projected cost recovery uh, models and subsidy levels. So there is room there. But looking at the slide, expensive revenue fees, and why are we here? You know, there's a few things to note. If you look at the blue columns, uh, which are, um, Actual expenses. I did want to note that um, 22 and 23 are the budgeted expenses. The 22 revenue is an actual projected, and the 23 is a budgeted um, a revenue. So you can see the gaps there and how things have gone over time. The 22 and 23. Um, budget expense line, lines also include CIP projects that are uh, budgeted through the general fund and ops budgets. If you look at the 2020 and the 21 budget, 2020 is where we uh, were impacted by COVID. So you can see how the revenues dropped from 2019 to 2020. And then in 21, we were still in COVID, but you see our revenues went up. And part of that is we got better at adapting how we opened facilities and operated with masks and um, other programs and classes. So we're able to bring our revenues up. And our focus during the COVID years was mainly on public safety, health, and wellness, and not on cost recovery. So that was our main focus. And uh, that's what we did. And then going into 22, we were coming out of COVID. You know, the first part seemed like we were still slow, but by the spring of 22, Things started looking up, or we were optimistic that our participation numbers would get back to normal. 
Unfortunately, they did not. And so we're tracking very similar on the revenues from 21 to 22. So when we went to the budget and I proposed that, yes, we can go X amount of dollars over, that was based on the expectation we'd meet budgeted in 22, which we did not. We fell short by about 800000 to a million dollars. We'll get to that later. So if you go budgeted to budgeted from 22 to 23, that dug a, a deeper hole. Some of the things that have impacted us this year um, has been expenses coming into 22 and uh, 21 were spiraling in 22 and 23 upwards. In 22 and 23, uh, we budgeted expenses to um, improve the quality of life and meet the market um, the market rate wages for the city, which just happened to correspond, correspond with the high inflation. Um, so that was good. That helped people out. Um, and we used ARPA funds, which was $5 million in 2022 and $5 million in 2023 is part of that. Plus, we've also budgeted more of the indirect costs um, from the city is reflected as we get better at our priority-based budgeting. I'll get in that a little bit later. Uh, budgeting all expenses, uh, for example, uh, utilities, wages, uh, IT, uh, central garage, administrative, parks and rec administrative, um, indirect fees. So that's captured in there what we should re be recovering. Uh, Part-time wages is another example where we had to raise wages dramatically. Uh, in the summer, our peak last year, I think we had 720 part-timers. Um, and we still struggle to fill all the positions. So the higher, to find and hire folks, we still fell short in the, uh, the lifeguards. And I don't know where we're going to be uh, this year. I've been focused on other items besides our um, hiring and retention. What we do have that is relatively new um, the last few years, um, but some of you, uh, most of you may re remember when we went to Keith Bob's for uh, safety and security, which it's been paying dividends uh, with, you know, somebody gets banned or causes a problem, now we know who and where, but it, it's more equitable on, oh, you've been, um, you caused trouble at the outdoor aquatics and you're now uh, not allowed to go into our facilities for a month. So now we're better at, at determining that, but we're also better at tracking uh, usage of our facilities. So how many visits in our rec centers and so the key fobs are uh, adding to that dramatically and helping us with that. So our cost recovery philosophy um, that we use in the department, this actually originated in Boulder, Colorado, uh, department in the 1990s. Under the leadership of Chris uh, Dropinski, uh, Boulder Certified Parks and Recreation Executive and their Recreation Superintendent, Linda Kowski, they worked up by the academic works of Dr. John Crompton and uh, Dr. Charles Lamb regarding marketing government and social services the parks and recreation industry. What they realized was that Boulder, along with many other agencies, had been charging for programs and recovering costs for many years, but did not have a strong foundation underpinning for the whys and the hows they did that. Um, and the intricacies of pricing and cost recovery. What they developed was a cost recovery model that you see in this slide here. And it became a national regional best practice and regional best practice for parks and recreation. So in 2018, we had ePrep Solutions come from Boulder, Colorado, where this uh, process originated with some of their staff. 
and they do a they did a fee analysis of where we were in our fee structure. When that came out, uh, we were recovering within the, the pyramid, but we also took their from their review and recommendations. We further refined the model you see on the slide and tailored the national best practice model to reflect more its values. The cost recovery philosophy considers levels of tax support, the subsidy level, based on community values where those programs that meet high community benefit, for example, the base of the pyramid, most community benefit is recovers zero to 10%, and that'd be our parks, our trails, uh, multi-use paths, uh, city band concert in the parks, would have the most tax support subsidy then at the very top where you get into highly individualized um, competitions, athletic sports, um, private swim lessons, dive lessons, uh, things like that. Our department relies on the cost recovery model with accounts for different levels of subsidy support when evaluating programs and budgets. So that's what our parks and recreation team uh, after the prep solutions visit, they took this and refined it to how we do business. We also look at market analysis of surrounding area programs uh, to ensure pricing is near the market norm. So what this pyramid factors in is who benefits, what's the skill level, the physical, mental health, and safety, the level of service that everyone, is it open to everyone or is it limited by age, ability, or skill? What are our historical expectations of the community? What are we done? Community expects, for example, holiday lighting, some of the band concerts, these sports. What's the anticipated impacts of service on resources, users, environment, change of service levels, or by not providing the service? The community value of the service, perceptions valued by the community members, policymakers, city staff, leadership, and is it a community builder? So again, kind of like we talked about, the, the bottom of the tier, tier one is uh, most community benefit, recovers zero to 10%, parks, trails, open space, management, urban forestry, right away, holiday lights. And this gets the most government subsidy. And this is roughly half of our budget of parks and recreation maintains uh, what you see around us. And um, when I pass off, Lindsay, we'll, we'll get to those slides. Tier two, would be our, our rec centers, rec facilities management, sports marine Lawrence, nature center, should recover in that 10 to 50% range. A staffed facility should recover 25 to 50%. Tier three, you get more balance between the individual and the community benefit, uh, 51 to 75%. Uh, camps fall into that, uh, nature education, sports leagues, swim teams, cemeteries. Tier four, getting a little more individualized. Uh, recreational health and wellness programs, competitive youth and adult sports, golf falls into that tier, tier four. Tier five, most community benefit, most, I'm sorry, individual benefit. So golf used to be a uh, enterprise fund. It was at the top of this pyramid, so it recovered 100% or better. So when it transitioned from enterprise to general fund under its enterprise fund, enterprise fund is required to recover all costs so it has to return 100 percent which struggling and you know there's things we didn't know am i missing anything mark on the enterprise mark Hecker, assistant director no that's correct that basically the enterprise fund recoups all the direct and indirect costs of operating the program and then funds are able to stay in that fund 
So if we make 100,000 more than we spent, that would stay there for us to operate on the following year. So the, the trick on, on our golf course was recouping the capital costs and the equipment costs. We did great on the everyday costs. But the, the bigger ticket items were hard to cover it within the fee structures. Okay, thank you. And then things like um, personal training, and private, highly skill level of swim lessons. Uh, you know, you're learning the flip turns, you're racing um, downtown event rental venues. Uh, so we rent the Carnegie, which is also competitive to downtown. So we also have space like that. Next slide. I'm not an expert on the priority-based budgeting. Um, our finance director is really well-versed in this, but I do want to mention this as part of our budget every year as we talk, talk about budgeting, and we focus on fees in this presentation. Um, priority-based budgeting is a comprehensive approach that aligns the city's budget with the strategic plan. And I just wanted to bring this up as a reminder, the 2024 budget process and the PBAB aligns with the strategic plan it basically allocates all direct and indirect operational expenses to the program budgets. This allows the city to better understand the true cost of a program, which includes indirect expenses I mentioned before, the PR, parks and rec administration, internal services, water, HR, IT, central garage, for example. Of note, when you look at there, you look at the far right, it says quartile one most aligned. So in North Parks and Recreation, our highest alignment is park trails and open spaces, community events, and downtown streetscapes. Most of our programs fall in quartile two and three, but I do want to identify and discuss just a little bit about quartile four. So we had four quartile four programs that are at least aligned with the strategic plan. And for parks and recreation, in last year's budget, it was cemetery, levy maintenance, golf course, and Prairie Park Nature Center. Uh, we're trying to get a slide that kind of showed the interrelations and just couldn't do it. <laughs> so I did want to pass now at this part of the presentation, I'm going to hand off to Lindsay and Okay, uh, Lindsay Hart, Assistant Director. Uh, so from here, I'm going to get into the fee portion of the presentation and wanted to start with this graphic just to show that, um, you know, going back to looking at the, the budget jumping from 22 to 23, as you can see, it's a pretty big jump. The blue line indicates, uh, you know, theoretically, our fees should follow the blue line. Uh, but realistically, what we're trying to do is follow the yellow line. We want to be fair and equitable to the community. We want to be realistic. We need to, you know, stay within our cost recovery pyramid, uh, work within the market rates. And so, so you can see where it, it is it's an art, you know, it's, it's not easy. There's a delicate balance. We have to be realistic. And so just kind of wanted to start off with that. Just kind of have that image in your mind as we talk through how we, uh, you know, come across our fees. Um, so moving on, this again just kind of shows a, a breakdown of the 23 budget. As Derek mentioned earlier, uh, you know, about half our budget, 49%, is park cemeteries and CIP. That's mostly community benefit. That's the tier one that is, you know, almost all tax supported. So the other side is is where recreation and golf has to try to uh, pick up the slack and um, and try to you know increase our revenue through fees. Um, some of it's tax supported, but uh, most of it is um, primarily supported, you know, through fees and, and whatever we can do. Okay, so uh, bringing back the graphic 
from the first slide. This again is just to show a historical reference of where we've been and, and where we're going. Uh, but you can see the 22 to 23 budget comparison, uh, looking at the budgeted numbers of 22, um, we were, the, the expenditures were at about 17 and a half million and the budgeted revenue is 4.6 million. That was at about a 26% cost recovery. If you look at 23, we've jumped up to trying to get to a 34% cost recovery. And this is closer to where we've been in the past. As you can see, it, it jumps up quite a bit just because expenses are going that much higher than we've seen before. Uh, and so our, our goal is to try to get to a 34% cost recovery. Based on those priorities. Yes. Yeah. So again, if you just kind of a snapshot of, of where we're at and where we're headed, uh, the again for revenues, our target for this year for 22 is 4.6 million. We are projecting that at the end of this year we will be at about 3.7. So as Derek mentioned earlier, we are not going to hit our target, uh, and so that chain reaction kind of puts us even further behind the 23 target of 6.4 million. So that brings us to our, our proposed fee increases for 23. Uh, and I just wanted to mention that we have over 1500 fees for Parks and Rec. So we have a lot of different program areas to look at and take into account. And so we've been working closely with staff and analyzing our fees. Uh, we've been obviously uh, taking into account our, our cost recovery philosophy, looking at market rates. And for some of the bigger uh, program budgets, such as cemetery, facility rentals, park and shelter rentals, field rentals, and general recreation programming, we have put together proposed fee increases and they range from 10 to 30%. So uh, it, it wasn't a 30% flat across the board. We really, you know, took a, a deep dive into each program. We wanted to be, make sure we were being, you know, reasonable and fair and consistent. And so uh, it, it is a, a mix of percentages, but it's, you know, about 10 to 30%. Uh, and, and so as part of this presentation, we are proposing to increase these fees effective February 1st. So moving forward, I'm going to break some of these down a little bit and show some examples of what this might look like. So for some recreation programs, um, summer camp uh, would go, a weekly summer camp would increase from 100 to 130. The Prairie Park Nature Center summer, summer camp would uh, increase from 130 to 190. And then just looking at an example of the, the youth uh, DeCava baseball, eight and under, would be 110 going up to 120. That'd be per individual. Uh, and then for adult kickball, Jackie, I know this one, I am above you, uh, you know, would jump from 165 to 180 per team. So this is just showing you kind of what those numbers might look like. And again, as we've discussed, as, as Derek, you know, went through the cost recovery pyramid, we take into account instructor fees, supplies, staffing costs, market rates. We look at all these things when we're analyzing our fees and, you know, we adjust those as needed. For cemeteries, uh, here's an example for resident single grave space. It would go from 1,050 to 1,375. Uh, Non-resident rate would jump from 1,500 to 1,950. And so next, we're going to jump in a little deeper uh, with the aquatics and the golf budget. So um, starting with aquatics, this is showing you, again, the 22 versus 23 budgets. 
Um, the blue is expense and the yellow is revenue. For 22, um, these are projections where we think we're gonna land um, at the end of the year. And then for 23, it's obviously what is budgeted. So you can see for aquatics, we're gonna come in at about 31% cost recovery. And when you look at 23, 56% is, is where our target is. That's where we should be. Uh, and again, based on the cost recovery pyramid that falls within where the aquatics budget should land. So we we definitely came in lower this year than you know what we were hoping, and and this just shows you that. Um, again, looking at the increase in expenses, obviously there's quite a jump, and that goes back to the priority based budgeting, which moving into 23. It's, it's merged our budgets together, but it shows the a true cost of the program. And so it, it's a bigger expense budget because now it includes all the internal expenses, which is the IT support and legal and finance and water, utilities, things like that, before they were not included in this budget. And you're gonna see that it's, it's in all the budgets, but the aquatics and golf example that we're showing is gonna show you that you know, it's quite an increase. Uh, and so uh, we also have inflation and increased chemical costs and part-time staff wages, which we have had to increase, especially for aquatics. As you all know, we've really struggled hiring lifeguards and uh, keeping our staffing levels where we need them to be. And so, uh, you know, we are hopeful that attendance will continue to go up each year. So, you know, this, the projected expenses will cover, you know, hopefully the increase in hours that we might be able to be open and in staffing and things like that, but it will require us to raise some fees to help with the revenues. So looking at examples of some aquatics fees, uh, here's what it, uh, what we're proposing that it could look like for aquatics. So daily admission would go up a dollar. So child, teen, and senior would go up from five to six dollars. Adult would go from six to seven. And just that snapshot right there, we took uh, an estimate based on 22 attendance numbers. And if we were to raise uh, that dollar, it could give us a, an increase of $25,000 just on the daily admission. Um, again, hoping attendance continues to increase even further, uh, which that number could go up, but it just kind of gives you an idea of, of what these fee increases could look like. Uh, lane rental would go, short course would increase from $7.75 an hour to $10 an hour. The long course uh, would go from $15.50 an hour up to $20 per hour. Uh, then swim lessons would be looking at the, the week, which is a two-week session, would be $48, um, increasing to $55. And then the Saturday uh, would be $28 going up to $32. So now going into Eagle Bend Golf Course, again, like I mentioned for aquatics, uh, you're going to see a, a big increase in the expenses. And again, this is due to, uh, you know, the, the true cost of operating the program, the internal services, um, you know, increased costs for fertilizer and water, things like that. Um, so for 22, um, the revenue projected, you know, revenues are looking great, should be over 100%. Um, next year, it's going to be a little bit more of a struggle due to the bigger increase um, in the expense budget. But 84% is typically where we um, want the golf courts to be at. So again, that's the goal that we're that we're shooting for for next year. So breaking down fees for golf course, um, just taking the example of riding fees for 18 holes. 
Uh, Monday through Thursday fees would increase from 37 to 44. Uh, the Friday would be uh, an increase from 39 to 47. And then weekends and holidays would increase from 49 to 59. And again, you know, taking an estimate off of attendance numbers from this year, you know, we're projecting that that could give us an increase of 106,000. So with all of that, we obviously want to talk about how are we helping, uh, you know, we want to address equity and inclusion. Um, and we did want to talk about some increased funding that we have available that we have available for those who are struggling financially. Uh, we obviously want to provide, you know, as much as we can to our community and make sure that, you know, they have access to it. And so uh, we are continuing our We Folk Scholarship in 23, which is for youth, uh, children 17 and under. Um, we did get an increase in that budget uh, up to 55,000. It's typically been around 35,000. So that has gone up for next year. And then we've just uh, created a new adult scholarship fund and it's uh, budgeted for 30,000. Um, we actually, this number, these numbers can go up or down based on need, um, and we have great support from the city to give us, you know, room, some wiggle room to make sure that we are offering, you know, assistance to everyone who needs it. And so these numbers could fluctuate next year, and we're going to do our best to, to offer everything we can to make sure our community has access to our programs. So kind of to wrap things up, just again, wanted to uh, just take a look again at the 22 numbers uh, and then compared to 23. So again, our projected end of year revenue for 22, we're, we're looking at about 3.7 million is where what we think we're going to What is the end of year? End of year. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so again, the, the target goal for this year, what was budgeted was 4.6 million. So if we're gonna come in short at 3.7, that's a general fund gap of about $900,000. So well, what happens with that? Where does that money come from? Well, we're almost to the end. We'll get to that. So then looking forward to next year, um, with our proposed fee increases, we did our best. It's it's kind of difficult to have an accurate number, but we did our best to give a projection. And we think that we can probably come up with revenue of about 4.4 to 4.6 million. Um, that's that's our, our best estimate based on these uh, proposed fee increases that we just discussed. So again, the the budget revenue for 23 is 6.4 million. So even with these fee increases that we're proposing, we are still looking at a general fund gap of 1.8 to 2 million. And so that's obviously uh, you know, a pretty big gap that we need to fill, um, which kind of leads us into kind of our, our closing thoughts um, that we want to put out there for discussion. So as we kind of wrap this up, um, we just wanted to list some options to consider that again, we're, we're wanting feedback from the board and the community on how can we work together to close this gap. So one option, uh, we've discussed it before, would be user fees or some type of an annual family pass. Uh, again, just to show an example, a $2 user fee for all our rec centers uh, could possibly bring in 500 to 750,000. Uh, and, and we would work together. We would make sure if you're on scholarship, you would not have to, to pay to get in. You know, we'd have, we'd have options. We'd be very conscious of, you know, the, the needs of the community. But again, that just shows you, you know, that's an option that we can look at. Uh, we can look at uh, a non-resident Douglas County rate. 
we're, we're definitely going to look at things like adding special events and new programs, and we're going to continue to, to do everything we can to generate new revenue, uh, you know, expanding on the adult swim that we had this summer at the outdoor pool, uh, fun runs, things like that. You know, we will continue to, to do what we can to provide uh, new programs. And we're also looking at adding new fees for some programs that didn't have fees before. And this would be uh, something such as the ball field practice. Um, we, you know, we could start adding a fee for that um, or possibly an entry fee to the South Park waiting pool. Um, again, there are areas that we can start to, to look at. Um, again, this is, this is part of how we close the gap and how you know, this conversation that we need to have. Um, but in closing, you know, uh, we had not raised fees over the last, you know, few years based on or due to the pandemic. And so, you know, we definitely were focused at that time on the safety and, and health and wellness of the community. So now, now here we are and we need to start looking at, at fee increases. And we will be looking at fee increases on an annual basis. Um, typically, fees may go up 7 to 10% in any given year just based on inflation. And so that's going to be more common practice for us moving forward. Um, and lastly, we just wanted to know we're going to um, enhance our marketing efforts and, and do what we can to, you know, bring new people in and, and increase attendance, which will also help uh, with our numbers. So with that, I'm going to hand it back over to Derek. So the last slide, I, I just want to bring up a few other things we got going. Um, working on the, getting the comprehensive uh, plan rolling with the team. And I, I think these are something that's going to get analyzed over this next year. So as we look for proposals on, on filling the gap, that's something that would get refined as we go forward through the next year. And then in 24, e-prep solutions that we had come out before would we contract with them again, having reevaluate our fee system in 24. Um, one of the things that, yeah, looking at all this, it goes back to my memory from when we had, uh, I think it was public health came and talked to us, where they had the baseball field and they put all the milk crates and they stood them on the milk crates. And how do we keep equitability? And I think there's ways when we have the discussions, I'll go through these questions that we can still maintain equitability and ensure that we have that that is still unique to our community um, but can still address how we do collecting fees and going forward so in this first of all i'd like to compliment the board on um, the diversity of the pond the users of our facilities amenities our parks and rec programs and passion for the community i think we're a highly functioning board we don't always agree between the board and our department and among board members and city staff. But I think that's where we gain strength is the diversity of opinion and the ability to speak up and speak our minds. Uh, so we'll be seeking input from the board and, and community tonight about options to address our revenue shortfall and other ideas. I saw uh, one of the members of the public had a question and we will get to that a little bit later. And besides opening the, the discussion in general from the board, I would love to hear from each individual board member on their thoughts on these three questions. What are your reactions and thoughts? How we close the gap in our budget? Should we increase fees further? And should we charge fees for emission to all facilities? Sometimes when you're running through the forest, I can't tell you what kind of trees I'm running through, and I should because I've grown up here and I miss that where somebody else goes, how is it you charge at the aquatic center, but you don't 
not charged anywhere else. And I, the inconsistency is something that I hadn't thought about in being fair and equitable. So with that, I will close and open up to the Take that guess. I'm sure. Uh, so, would you like us now to start with board or start with public comment well, questions? It's board, board questions board and then we move to the okay. public. Well, and it's public comment we'll to the board. Amber. Well, you had a question. Oh, John, go first. Okay. The, the, the revenue has never met the public expenses. So, how is that difference? Where's that money coming from? That is the subsidy. So in the cost recovery model, we say that everybody should have the opportunity to have a park. So that's part, we subsidize that at 100% pretty much. Well, you say we. The city. The city. So that comes out of the city's general fund. That's our parks and rec department fund, of general fund, that's that portion. So okay. then when we get into other, going to that subsidy level, we subsidize say swim lessons at, at 40% or, or I'm sorry, 60 to 70% because everybody should learn to swim. So we only need to recover 25% technically from each program. So when you look at the big picture, aquatics average 56%, that's historical value. That's rolling all those different courses from entry levels to individuals into one big budget. So, so Darren, you feeling pressure from City Hall to um, decrease that space between uh, revenues and, um, and and expenses? I mean, are they telling you, look, you guys need to, do, you know? Our budget is based on percentages of recovery. And we didn't meet that. We did not meet our budgeted revenue recovery. But those budgeted revenue recoveries, correct me if I'm wrong, Lindsay, fall within our cost recovery model. So we still have some latitude in there, but we did not meet expectations because we didn't have the participation numbers in our piece. Sure, Lindsay, our assistant director. John, I see what you're saying. The graphic, the first graphic, that bar graph you're looking at, the, the 23, that's what's budgeted. That's what we have to hit. So we're, we don't have to close that gap. The city has said, this gap is okay. We just have to hit, which, uh, which I showed another graphic is about 34% cost recovery. Have they said that, or that's what? what that's what was submitted with, yeah, with the oh, And that's, I've got to get us back on footing, on good financial sustainable footing. And we haven't been there for, for years. So that we're not vulnerable to uh, general fund allocations or whatever, less, less vulnerable. To one of your questions, what happens if we say, fine, we don't fill the gap? Somewhere in the city, we have to fix that gap. Yes, okay. So what do we not do as a city, which goes back to priority-based budgeting and what are the values? And so we're in a much better place as a department and a city by the department meeting the budgeted goals. Got it. Um, board member, I have a question about, um, you gave an example of some of the programs to feed differences that you um, were suggesting. Is that, that just an example or is that all the programs that you are going to Those are just examples. So you're going to do many more other 
Yeah, so as I, I started kind of in the first part of that slide, we have over 1,500 fees. And so it's a, it was obviously it would take a long time to go through all those tonight. So we just wanted to show you some examples, but we have analyzed every single fee and there will be a change in almost every single one. And so we are trying to increase everything. There are some general recreation programs that already adjust fees throughout the year. For example, I know gymnastics just raised earlier this year, so they're not going to go up January 1st or February 1st. And so they're kind of analyzing and, and making adjustments as needed. But some of the bigger programs, such as, again, the the facility rentals, parks and shelters, uh, and, and aquatics and golf we're analyzing. Those are some of our bigger areas. We have we have the full breakdown of all of those. And, and once we're ready to, to pull this out, we will be able to share the entire list. I don't know exactly how we're going to share it, but uh, we do have fees for everything across the board. Okay. And you also indicated on the slide what that would add as far as to the budget. Correct. Okay. And then there's a second part that we came up with some ideas of how to close that gap. And one being a yearly membership fee, as well as some ideas of runs and things like that. Did you come up with a cost? I saw the membership fee and came up with a cost with what that would add. But the other things that you come up with, how that would contribute revenue. We did not, but we can. We wanted to open that up for discussion and see what direction uh, you know, the, the board or the public would like us to look at. And then, you know, the plan is that we're going to come back in January uh, as a follow-up. And so we can can take a deeper dive into some of these and give uh, more accurate estimates if we, you know, kind of decide what path or, or what options we want to look at. Okay. Is this just a question time or is this a, um, can opinion time too? <laughs> <laughs> You can you can do it either any way that I mean, are there more questions of the similar nature where a slide had a question from all right? So let's start, let's go then with John and yeah. John first. Hi, this is John Blasek, board member. And I'll be happy to answer those three questions, but I've got to be have some clarification because these are going to really focus toward Derek, a little bit toward Lindsay and Roger. I'm I'm all for. It. The budgeting. I've talked to four of my very close friends that are recreation people around, and we're, we've got to raise some prices, no doubt, across the board for us. And I, I'm a supporter of that. But everything I'm seeing is raising fees, raising fees, which is okay. You got to tell me, Derek, you're the director of the rec. What are you doing within the department? Are you, I mean, or is it just going to be thrown back at raising fees to the community? Are you cutting staff? Are you closing buildings? What are you guys being held accountable for on, on the shortage of money? So what are you going to do? Director of Parks and Recreation, good, good comments, John. This discussion is on fees. As we go into the 23 or 24 budget discussions, we are going to, the city, we're going to have to look at these tough questions on, if we don't make our revenues, how are we going to adjust for that? $2 million ain't going to come all out of Parks and Rec. It could, and, and that would be really hard, but what do we not do in the community if we don't fill that budget gap? So those questions will be later tonight. I wanted to focus on the fees and the cost recovery and those three questions. And then the uh, later questions will happen during the 24 budget, which will be starting here this can, can next you, month. This is John Blazik again. Can you fill me in, Roger? What have you done with sponsorships? Anything? Any income? 
Every penny counts, people. We go ahead. No, John. Um, again, during 2022, uh, I have been reassigned to other uh, functions like the right of way street events was overseeing the enrollment management system, which we're now moving over to the recreation side of the house. We are in negotiation with someone currently for the sponsorship uh, at SPL. Um, we're still working on the details to that. Um, I'm hoping to get a contract up to legal uh, this week. Actually, I talked to our, our uh, director of, of the legal area just at a, an event uh, earlier and last week that, you know, I'm going to get it to her hopefully by Friday, depending on, on how things lay out with my schedule. Um, again, it's, it's time, John. For me, I, it, you only have so many hours in the day and I've been you know, had several different things that I've been allocating time towards based on what the department's needs are. Um, so as a sponsorship marketing right guy, Harvey, I'm sorry. I'm just saying as a marketing person for years, I'm just, I'm kind of hearing that nothing, zero for sponsorships. Do you look at the other facilities that you guys are competing against on their marketing and their sponsorships? I mean, I, I've not heard of a sponsorship in town yet, guys. And I've been with you for six years now. So I know a little bit more than a lot of the board members, but I mean, that's another place. I, I, I would like to speak to that as well. John, we have done sponsorships out at SPL on the wall that we have sold. We have had to shoot, shut down for two years uh, while that was going on. You can't sell sponsorships when people aren't seeing their signage. Sure. So we are currently getting that program up and running, and we're moving that, transitioning that over to Taylor at the Sports Pavilion. And I know that we've got several people that he's working with to reestablish that. Um, in, in some of the, the discussions with Prairie Park Nature Center, it's that same type of discussion that's going on as sponsorship for, for that facility. Um, you know, we called it the low-hanging fruit. I don't think we need the update on low-hanging fruit all the time, but there are things being done and discussed. So okay, just... okay. That's... Uh, Lindsay Harb, Assistant Director, I, I'd just like to throw in also, I know just this week we had two sponsors come into SPL uh, that Roger just mentioned, and we are becoming more active. And I'd like to introduce Kent Reddick, our Recreation Operations Manager, and he has actually secured a few sponsors this year. And I'll let him jump in and give you an update on that. Yeah, Kim Reddick, Recreation Operations Manager. I have rekindled the sponsorship with Dick's Sporting Goods. Uh, for this year, we did get $3,500 worth of value, some cash, some gifting kind. Uh, we are looking to improve that moving forward. And we've also started to work with other businesses, as I've also been working with Taylor and SPL, to revive what they had out there and look at adding new. So I know Roger stated he's working on a big one as well. And so, John, we are reaching out to the community members and working on that, but the larger sponsorships take time and we have to have activities and products out there for them to get visibility in order to sell it for their purpose. So as we start bringing back activities, programs and events, that, that's the opportunity to sell sponsorships. Yeah, I know, I understand, Ken, I did it for years. So, yeah. and Lindsay, John, I will say too, I appreciate you holding us accountable as well. Uh, 
again, we, we there are so many things that have, you know, in terms of the priorities that we have at the time, and, and we have to adjust and flow those priorities and work the work demand, so to speak. Um, and I, I've tried to juggle it. Maybe I've done a poor job, and I will let that be uh, based on what Derek thinks my performance is. Uh, and try to I try to do as much as I can with with the staffing I have. We have and with that being said, we have increased the staffing in the marketing area. We've got to get them under the you know there's been some training and and things going on. I'm looking at 2023 as a year that we can really start making some inroads because one of the things John I've had to learn too is having been a one person show for so long. I'm now having to elevate myself and to delegate. Um, okay. and, and after a 20 plus year career um, doing things solo, it's it's a different beast when you you finally realize, hey, I've got support now. And you, it, it goes back to trust and training and many different things. So I would just, I, I know you've been on the board for a long time and the expectations are there. I'm just asking for, for just a little more time to showcase a little bit about what we can do, not only my staff, but the new people that have been brought on in the last year. I think we're on good footing for a lot of success coming forward. Okay, thank you. I've got some other questions from community members that I want to ask. Lindsay, I know we talked in August and you were talking about 50%. You were down about 50 or 60, thought it raised. Why are our numbers down? What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Our participation numbers which then also brings in fees. Lindsay Hardis is a director. You know, I don't know that we know the answer, but I know it's it seems to be uh, across other communities and other parks and recreation agencies. I think the pandemic changed the way people recreate and, and do things. And so, or, you know, early this year, we were still under mass mandate and we were still closing, you know, limiting access to our facilities. So we got a really slow start to the year. And I think finally summer hit and people started coming out a little bit more, but it's been a slow, you know, a slow incline to try to get back to where we were pre-pandemic. So I think some people just still aren't ready to come back, but other people have completely changed their habits. And we have to continue to keep an eye on that. And we may have to change the way we do things and manage our expectations differently. Uh, because I think this uh, this really has changed the way of life for a lot of people. Uh, you know, Derek had mentioned that, you know, we saw an increase in revenue in, in 21 because we got creative and we kind of learned how to reprogram some things. But we have to continue thinking outside the box and realizing there has to be different ways to reach out to people. And it just may not look like the way it did before. Totally understand. And I and I respect respect that. I just know when your offices were closed and nobody knows anybody, that's what I hear why people have kind of backed away. They just don't know where to go or what to do. Um, tell me a little bit. I'm looking at this golf thing. How did how did you raise theirs? I think it said 1.2 million to 2.1. How did it go up? Nobody explained why it raised up a million dollars. Are you talking about the expenses, John? Um, well, your your budget for this year was like 1.2, and they were over it. And then next year, they're what 20% down. You said 2.1 million at the golf course. You raised it a million dollars. Can you explain to the community what that million dollars is? 
why it went up that high? Yeah, I don't know. It goes back to uh, when we talk about the PBB budgets, uh, the moving into 23, uh, the maintenance budget and the operations budget are going to be combined and they were not combined before. So we had two separate budgets and the operations budget is the only one that had to look at revenues compared to it. So now we've combined those into one budget. So that has increased. So when you look from 22 to 23, you're seeing the maintenance budget added to that. Okay. And also take into account inflation and just the, the cost of the internal services that were not included previously as well. And water. And water. Okay. Water is a big city water. The city water is that is the probably the biggest factor into that. Okay, Lindsay, and I appreciate that because that wasn't said the first time. So tell me on the water, do you all get what, what I get at my house? Do you have a meter? What do you pay per water, per gallon? How do you know how much water is used out there based upon weather? Did yeah, you have data? Our care system director. So you're seeing a little bit of change in philosophy for the city. In the past, the golf course didn't pay for water. This year, 22, we paid for a percentage of the water. 23, we're paying full cost of the water. So depending on the year, we'll run between 30 and 40 million gallons of water. So that's weather dependent. And yeah. we can conserve all we want, but there's a certain amount of water we need to operate the golf course. Sure. So how do you know, Mark, how do you know how much you use? We have a meter on it. Oh, it's okay. meter just like anybody else. There's oh. one big line that comes into the golf course that runs both the irrigation system and the front and back end of the golf course. Okay. Okay. All righty. And my last question, Derek. Um, talk to me a little bit. Are we pretty over budget? Because I know you've added quite a, I know you don't like to eliminate staff because that's most of the first things a business does or a school does when you're over budget. And, and you've added staff. I know you've added quite a few administrative positions that are well paid. Is that hurt our salaries? Is that why we're getting stuck with more tax money? You got a lot of community members, people asking questions out there and they know that I'll be black and white and I'll ask it. So that's I'm asking this for the community. So Derek Rogers, Director of Parks and Recreation. For example, this year we drew down the staff. So we drew down. You did what? We, we eliminated a position that we didn't refill, which actually will help part of the cost recovery because that position's gone. I don't use sports. We combined that, that position's eliminated. When we created the communications and events division, we took internally two and a half positions and drew them down to two positions. So we funded those three positions by actually we lost a half position there. So we've done the internal restructuring. What you're seeing as we did the market analysis, we started doing a market analysis on what should be the market rate for uh, city employees. And so part of what the city did is we took ARPA money and we put $5 million into um, pay benefits and wages in 22, and we put another $5 million in 23 in the pay benefits and wages. So that is a, a big cost and increase in expenditures. And then on our part-time salaries, we went up in a lot of cases around 30%. Is that fair to say? Just trying to attract part-time help. And when we have 700 employees in the summertime, that's a significant also increase in expenditures. And and I support that, Derek. I knew you had to go up on fees. My point was this, that I think community needs to know that because 
I've asked you a number of times on staff deductions and reductions and yada, yada. Um, yeah, I know you eliminated one position here. I know when Lee retired, you filled it with two. So I think you ought to make it very transparent on what you've done on employees, on what you've done. And people are asking, what have you guys done within the rec program to help offset it between buildings, closing, and staffing? And I, I'm just bringing this stuff up because I know it's you're going to be asked pretty tough questions like that. But I didn't know you removed the staff. I didn't have a clue. I think that stuff might want to be transparent just as you get ready to, because I'm sure you're going to hear things from people raising because, but I understand it. And I told you, I support that, but I think there's some things that you guys have to become accountable for in a rec program of what you're doing and trying to help yourself. So that was my last question. Thank you. Thanks, John. Um, Marilyn, I saw your hand up also. Yeah, um, I have a few different things. First, um, John and I don't always agree on things, but we. Um, I also have on my list reduced service levels, not staffing levels per se, but you know, you're asking us what we think about raising fees, but you're not really telling us what the alternatives are for closing the gap. You know, is it possible to cut back on the open recreation hours at the rec center? Is it possible to reduce the uh, open times on the swimming pools or the golf courses or things like that? Um, I think I'm kind of interested in that as well. If there are times when the facilities are pretty dead and there's a minimum amount of users, is it worth having them open? Uh, so that's that's the question that I have for you guys. I, you don't have to answer it now, but I mean, as you're thinking about closing this gap, let's not think that fees is the only way to close the gap. Thank you, Marilyn. I appreciate that. And that was the goal of this is brainstorming and the get, gather thoughts from the board and the community. Um, and what I would like to do at, at the end of this, as we go through and, and look at this, would be between now and January to have staff that would like to, or advisory board members that would like to be part of this process, we'd love to have you work with staff on exactly on how we close that gap. So thank you. Okay, uh, my next question is about tournament fees. I, when the sports pavilion was proposed and debated, I think the, uh, one of the selling points was that there were gonna be all this new revenue come in that would essentially underwrite that building or the operating costs of it. And when you have, you showed your list of all the fee increases, I didn't see any tournament entry fee increases. Lindsay, can you explain where that fits? Yeah, Lindsay, sure, sorry. Lindsay Hart, Assistant Director. Yes, that is being analyzed as well. And, and again, I apologize if that was not clear. We just wanted to show you some examples of fees, but we are looking at increasing all fees and that would be included as well. So we have uh, all of our facility rental fees uh, put together, and that includes the tournament rentals for SPL as well. Okay. Um, in your examples of how much new money you could generate, are those net of the extra costs you're going to incur to collect money from everybody who walk, who comes into a, a rec center? You know, it, it takes staff to collect $2 from every person who comes in the door. Um, so my question is those 
projected revenue increase? Have you already deducted out what your additional costs are going to be to implement those fees? Lindsay Hart, assistant director. Um, yes and no. Um, the, the estimates we gave were just purely on, on increasing the fees, but we already have staff in place that have to check access cards. And so we already have those people working and we don't anticipate that we're gonna have much of an increase for that. Their, their duties are just gonna be different. So instead of checking the cards, they would be taking the admission fees. And so we don't anticipate that it's gonna affect our expenses that much more. Okay. Um, and my final thing is a comment, and that is that overall of this, you know, my biggest interest has always been in maintaining access for low-income populations. Um, I'm not persuaded that the We Folks Scholarship Fund and the Adult Scholarship Fund are going to completely address the inequities that are going to take place if, say, you start um, charging fees for entry into rec centers. There a lot of people who aren't going to go through the red tape of applying for scholarships that, um, you know, they're, I can think of a, of a lot of di different situations where um, people might not uh, come and apply to the department. They just drop out. They just stop showing up. Um, and so as you guys work on this, I'm really interested in a, in a more robust equity plan that covers not only um, people who enroll in programs, but people who come to Open Swim, Open Gym, um, those sorts of things, and how, you know, we make sure we're not pushing away people who are unemployed or um, or poor. Can I answer that? You want me to? Oh, go ahead <laughs> if you want to. Yeah. Derek Roger, Director of Parks and Recreation. I, I think there are ways that we could do that when in doubt that we would still provide access to everyone below, you know, every brainstorm. And I think that's part of what we've worked through with the board members and how do we provide an equitable, um, Admissions, kind of like the the milk rates I talked about. There's part of our community that can can pay, and there's parts that they can't. So why couldn't we incorporate a piece of that? And so I think that if, um, going forward, if that's what we look at, filling that gap, we would love to have some input uh, board members to help us make sure that we have an equitable program that um, allows our community and those that are uh, marginalized or have financial hardships still have access to our facilities. I'd appreciate that. And it, it'll be good for you to ask board members, but I think I'm really looking for a strong commitment on the part of you professional staff leaders um, that you don't settle for a couple little scholarship funds and say, okay, we're doing equity. That you look at equity very robustly across the board um, yeah, and holistically, I, I I would really urge you to do that. That'd be really fantastic to see. And I think you'd, you'd end up doing better with the community when all this gets announced or whatever you end up raising fees on or whatever gets announced. We know there are going to be a lot of unhappy people 
And if you can show that you've really developed a robust equity plan, I think it will reduce the amount of opposition, community opposition you're going to find. Thank you. Appreciate the comments. I'm done now. Thanks, Marilyn. Uh, Andrea Bowen, anyone else want to speak next from the board? Oh, this is Val Renault, board member. Oh, sorry, Andrea. I just wanted to thank Marilyn for. Yeah, I was uh, pretty much going to yeah. do that as well. Um, basically, really just emphasizing the um, what she said on the equity piece and making sure that we explore all those um, options to ensure that people who want to visit aren't um, turned away because of that reason. And then other than that, I'm going to brainstorm on some other ideas, but that's all I have at this time. So, Thanks, Andrea. Val? I was thinking, uh, Val Renault, board member, um, I was thinking about what Marilyn said about how people just, you know, they tend to drop out if, if things get beyond their reach. So, you know, I mean, maybe we do some kind of more active outreach with the scholarship funds. Um, I, every time sponsorships come up, I kind of groan because I was on the board committee that we were, you know, a bunch of us were trying to look at sponsorships, but um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's been difficult to get together and to make that happen. And I know Roger has two new staff members who we were hoping could be part of that, but it's, so while while we're not really driving full speed ahead on the sponsorships, I'd like to maybe see more emphasis on scholarships because we do have a generous community and they do take a lot of pride in I think what Parks and Rec is able to do. Um, so that's that's just my thought about the equity is maybe really pushing those. Are those scholarships held at the Douglas County Community Foundation or is that? It's held through the department. Okay. Yeah. Um, I know fundraising, fundraising, and looking for sponsors. You know, those. Uh, I worked, and I think I've told you before. I worked at the KU Business School for a while, and we had our own endowment office. You know, so yeah, when you're trying to get gifts, you, you need to put some resources into getting the gifts. And so I feel like we keep going around in circles on that a little bit. That. We just have to accept where we are <laughs> and uh, try to move forward with some board member help if we can, I guess. Thanks, Val. All right. Amber Nickel, board member. Um, I, I know it sucks. We all have to do it. I mean, it just, it is what it is. And so I don't have a lot of, um, Funding is not my strong suit, but I am really good with ideas. So <laughs> I agree that um, if there's a way to make it so it's not just flat across the board. So there, I think there's a lot of things you can do. I think there's a lot of really interesting business models where it's pay what you can or pay for somebody else. Or So I mean, I think there's all kinds of things that can be explored that can make it simple, easy, and, and still equitable. Things like <clears throat> maybe instead of 
having to get a scholarship, they're going to be X a number of free entries in a, in a given day. Or, and you can visually see, and maybe I'm coming in to pay and I can see there's no more. I can say, well, I'll pay for me and I'll pay for two more people. You know, something like that. Or having happy hours. So those hours where it's slow, it's free entry for everybody during the happy hours. Um, things like that. Also, um, I agree. Like, I am a mom of a kid that goes to sports pavilion a lot and it would be a real pain to have to constantly reload him but to have a membership option that I know just that it's going to cover all of his running to all the different places throughout the year would be ideal for me honestly um oh and so I always try to think of like what do we need and what do we have so increasing rental prices on facilities and you can say you can earn free rental or discounted rental by volunteering at the emergency shelter like get your group together and have a whole we'll take Saturdays so that we can use Holcomb in the spring when we need it or whatever that's so well, they're just there, so we're crossing my mind I carry my notes. How do you raise the Yeah. Uh, so listening to Jackie Becker, chair, you're listening to everybody. Uh, I am the one thing I think that for me is most important is the transparency. And so if there are these 1500 fee options, I think both the board and the general public should get a look at what you were thinking. And I think that should be made available to the whole community. I'm hoping we are looking for another conversation, some more community engagement on this, because just look at that, two crazy, wonderful ideas. There's probably thousands of those out there that might actually be useful for us and, and we could take to heart as ways that we will not be hopefully losing populations and, and losing our community members to being able to to participate in parks and recreation because we know how critically important that is to the, the welfare of a community. So I would love more community engagement. And um, I know sponsorship is something that is starting again as someone who was in an industry that was closed for a year and a half of my entire life. I, I know how long it takes and I agree. So I'm, I'm happy to see that this is a 2024 thing. And we're going to hold, I mean, I want to hold you to it next year to make sure that we are really looking at where we're going to go with sponsorship for 2024, because we should be able to hopefully by next year be showcasing everything that we offer and all these ideas that we have. Now let's get some businesses and some private citizens who want to help fund some of these things or have their logo or whatever it is, their name, their donations, whatever it is to tie in with our community. I think that's really important. Um, beyond that, um, I know something that Val, we talked about a lot when we were doing sponsorship meetings was a foundation concept. So when, you know, when I asked when some asked where those scholarships were from, I would love to see some, some research in that too. And how, how can Parks and Rec be included in a foundation or through DCCF? So if someone does want to give a gigantic lump sum, is that something that, that can be used and put towards our community also? So I think those are the things I see from listening to everybody and whatnot from our, our board side where we should start going. So. Uh, a few comments on these questions here. John Nelbandian, board member. 
my reaction and thoughts. Um, I really appreciate the logic that's gone into this. Um, and I think the idea of, um, you know, adopting uh, what Boulder has done in terms of budget and the way you think about it um, is something that I really appreciate. And I think the more that we can connect staff with what's going on in other places, um, you know, like the equity thing, it can't be just something that is happening in Lawrence. It's got to be happening all over the country. Best practices. So, you know, you guys attending conferences, I mean, that's so important, all of that stuff. But I think the, the peer, peer comparisons are really important and the logic of how you're going about this. So the fee increases, um, not sure the exact amounts and so on, but the idea of the increases seems logical, um, especially given other places as well. Um, uh, I am reluctant to charge for admission to, uh, you know, the, the facilities we don't charge now, but um, I'm not opposed to it either. This is Pat Phillips, board member. Um, I appreciate everyone's creative ideas. Um, I'm a little different as far as um, the term uniqueness of our community having free access to um, the recreation facilities. When I first moved here in um, 1990, I thought that was amazing and unique, but not necessarily a good idea. And because I see it as a sustainable revenue. And, but I look at it that those that can afford membership, and there's many people, myself included, would do that. <clears throat> and I also check off the box to pay for another family to be able to get membership. Mm -hmm. um, but what Marilyn, you, you stated it beautifully as far as the need to look at it being equitable and not, um, hard um, for people to get access that can't afford it. Um, so that's where it gets creative. And scholarships, I know that's the, been the pop word, and maybe that needs to be on our agenda all the time to keep it accountable and movement on that. Um, you know, so you, you start targeting your vendors and foundations and businesses, and it's not coming from within the city, the scholarship money. Um, but and I know, you know there's another thing you can look at people's income and below a certain level that it, they can freely come in. You can look at yearly membership or daily, like you do the pool. So there's a daily fee and a yearly fee. So there's many different ideas, but I think staying away from um, a fee to use our facilities is, is staying away from a, a sustainable revenue. Any other board member thoughts or comments right now on all of this? Okay. So it's now then a time to open it up for public comment. Okay. So we're going to be looking for some public comment now. Uh, the main thing to remember is you have three minutes. And um, Roger, how do we select? Is, is there someone who'd like to speak? I know I saw a little question up in the chat. So. 
Yeah, if you want to rate, okay, Stephen, I know you do. So if you want to go ahead and unmute and we'll. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> there are other people, uh, please use the raise your hand feature and we'll call on you that way. Um, Stephen, if you'd state your name and, and everything there for the record as well. Sure, fantastic. My name is uh, Stephen Coprince. I'm a Lawrence re resident, uh, former member of a couple advisory boards. So thank you to this board for all the, the work that you do into LPRD for the work that you're putting in as well. Uh, I just want to weigh in on this uh, issue of access fees to the rec center. Um, I use SPL uh, about five days a week, uh, mostly using the cardio, the weight equipment, and playing pickleball. <laughs> especially in the winter now when i'm saying if if uh, we impose a go ahead you you froze for a moment so oh no if the bad connection may want to just lose the picture and talk we can still all right sure thing i mean go ahead and do that all right now you can't see my pretty face but hopefully you can hear me uh, so I, I would say I use SPL about five days a week. I go there and I use the, the cardio. I use the weights. I play pickleball, occasionally walk on, on the track. Um, you know, a, a $2 user fee doesn't sound like much, but if you do the math, you know what that cost me? $500 a year. $500 a year is what a $2 per user would cost. That's, that's nuts. And so, you know, I understand where we're coming from with, with fees, but if you go to the community and say to someone who's a regular user like me, something that was free is not going to run you 500 bucks. There's going to be, there are going to be some issues with other folks who are there, especially because, and we've talked a lot about equity. Some of the folks that I'm there with are retirees on fixed incomes. They're single parents who um, are struggling to pay the bills. I mean, there's, there's all, all walks of the community here who have the chance to exercise at the East Lawrence Rec Center or at SPL or at the community building um, that, that we might be shutting out. Um, and I know there's a scholarship and I'm not going to, you know, I, I don't know the numbers of that. Um, but I, I think that if you do the fee, you have to at least consider a reasonable yearly option. You know, I, I just pulled up the Planet Fitness website. You can get a membership at Planet Fitness for 10 bucks a month. And so if you're asking me to pay $40 a month to go to SPL to use your equipment, I'm just going to go to Planet Fitness, right? And so I think that, you know, one thing that LPRD needs to consider if they're going to impose these access fees is the extent to which the fees are going to reduce usership. And if you structure the fee in the wrong ways, especially, it's going to reduce usership. I can guarantee you that. You know, people who are using the facilities right now to play pickleball indoors, when it's nice out, they're just going to play outside. People who are saying, oh, $2 a day, that's 40 bucks a month. I'm just going to join Planet Fitness. So I would want those things to be considered. And then the final thing I would mention is, you know, the speaking on behalf of, I think, others in the community, if you are asking folks to pay that $2 fee, and I just sat there at SPL for my son's basketball tournament this weekend, big crowd, great crowd. And the previous day I had sat uh, for a basketball game at Bishop Seabury where my uh, daughter attends. And one thing that was very noticeable was the fact that at the Seabury gym, there are corporate banners all over the place. And in our gym, there aren't, you know, and I, and I, I know we've talked about this topic before, but I think that if you're going to go to the community members and say, pay $2 every time you come in here and there's not a single banner in any of those basketball courts or those little signs when you walk down the stairs and that's it. People are going to say, you're not doing enough to try to generate 
funds from other sources. You know, why are you coming to me first? Why aren't you? Why isn't court ate the McDonald's court with their banners everywhere? So, so I would say just as a matter of perception from the community that unless you can show the community that this is truly is the last resort, which I know was the the, the phrase that was used before, but I haven't heard it tonight. Um, I think there's going to be some uh, objections and I, I won't be the only one. So I just wanted to make those comments again. This is, you know, this is on my own behalf and, and not anybody else's. And I do appreciate all the work that LPRD is doing and you as the board are doing. I unfortunately have to run. I've got a, a birthday party, my son's birthday party that I've been skipping to hear this meeting. But but thank you for hearing me out. Um, I really appreciate it and um, hope to have the chance to talk with you again in the future. Thank you so much. Um, looks like um, Ray Mendoza. See your hand raised. Welcome. Oh, you're muted. You're, you're muted. Hi, Ray, you're muted. Okay, you guys hear me now? Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry about that. Um, I'm an avid golfer here in Lawrence. I've been playing Eagle Bend for 15 plus years. And um, you guys used to, you guys always had a pass, a yearly pass at Eagle Bend to make it affordable for us locals here. And that was taken away uh, and replaced it with the club card. Um, but the club card's going away now. And I understand why you got the raising fees. And but it's <laughs> get to a point like avid golf like myself that plays three to five times a week is really unaffordable these rates for me to continue playing. And it'd be sad for me to have to um, go find somewhere else to play because I can't afford these rates as much as I want to play golf. So if there had been any talks about bringing back the yearly pass at Eagle Bend, we used to have it years ago. We'll wait until land of public comment. Ray, if you've got other things, uh, we do have somebody here from golf that's just going to provide just an overall update to the board. But if you have other things, go ahead and ask your questions and do your public speaking of that. We'll give you an update here when we add at the end of the public comment. Oh, that's what I have. I mean, uh, I mean, we're raising the rates at Eagle Bend, but what are we getting for that? Because um, right now we, <laughs> I don't see what benefit is going to be for me to continue playing at Eagle Bend when you raise the rates. And I would hate to have to go somewhere else to play when I'd rather stay here. But that's, I just want to see the uh, the yearly rates come back to Eagle Bend like we used to have years ago. Thanks, Ray. That was it. Thank you. Appreciate Thank it. You, Ray. Anyone else uh, that is out there right now that is interested in making public comment on the proposed fee increases? Go to City of Lawrence. Seeing any last second hand raising? Okay. Can we bring it back to the board Okay. All right. So now it's back to the board. I don't know. There, there were some th things to um, one of the public members' yeah. inputs on some of the things that they'd like to see changed, and we've had some discussions over time. And so uh, Kent Reddick's here, and he uh, might provide some updates on things that could happen or they're reviewing for possibilities. Yeah, Kent Reddick, Recreation Operations Manager. We are 
looking at several options uh, when it comes to Eagle Bend Golf Course, uh, the fee increases are the first step. And if you're looking at them compared to last year's, they're formatted a little differently, so it might appear to be a bigger increase. We we did not go to the full 30%. We did our market comparisons, and we are competitive with everybody around us and even some comparable golf courses up in the County area. So, but we are looking at improvement. First thing we're looking at doing next year is to offer online tee times. We're more transparent to the customers, more available to the customers, and that provides better customer service. We're also looking at putting out an RFP when it comes to concessions to see if we can improve the amenities out at the Eagle Bend. And that could be, you know, next year, it could be two or three years down the road, because part of that might include uh, some work on the concession building out there. Uh, we're going to increase our offerings in our local leagues, as well as increase lessons out there for youth and adult to help build the game of golf while we're providing a quality course for them to play on. Uh, so that, that's kind of where we're at with golf. I mean, any other thing you want to add? I didn't know if you were considering our staff were looking into the possibility with the club card going away and doing something else. But yeah, it might be too early. We can discuss the club card option. The challenge with the club card option, it does provide a discount for certain golfers that have paid club card. And the organization that manages that have not done a good job of reimbursing us for those losses. Uh, but that is something we can negotiate and see if they're willing to come back. As far as the pass he was talking about earlier, honestly, I'm not familiar with that. It seems something that's been, haven't been talked about. So we can go back in historic and see if it's like a monthly or an annual pass and then do, you know, figure out whether that's valuable for the local ones that play frequently. This is John Albany, board member. I think you said earlier, though, that the biggest uh, cost reduction if you could use untreated water. Yes. <laughs> is that still part of the capital request? Uh, it is, and Mark can, he knows the capital improvement request better than I do. Yeah, Mark Eckers is the director. There is still a project we're working on to use. Um, untreated water both on the golf course and on the athletic field complexes is a very large project. It's about a $1.5 million project, but over a period of time, it'll pay off for us oh, yeah. as opposed to us paying full price for water. <laughs> so that I think will probably happen late 23, early 24, where we'll be intercepting the water off the, the feed that comes to the city. So we'll pick that off before it goes to the water treatment plant. And then we'll use a pump system to distribute it out to our athletic complexes. So that's going to be a huge cost saving in the future. Okay. But it's not going to help us right now. Yeah, you have a sign out at Eagle Bend that says, uh, your fees were increased because we're now paying for 100 million gallons of water or whatever. <laughs> That answers some race things. So, uh, any other questions or comments with within us? <laughs> I thought with the gentleman, this Pat Phillips board member, what the gentleman was talking about making sure that it, if it is looked at membership for access to that, um, you do not lose people because it's going to be higher than other providers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, yeah, the holiday would, 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 me too, you know, it would be different. Um, 
So, you know, a set amount, if, if that's something that society. Yeah, one of the artists and director that, that one of the first slides I showed where I showed the theoretical versus the what's realistic, that's exactly what we're looking at because we understand if we start to price ourselves too high, we will lose and then we don't get any revenue because no one's attending. And so that's all the way down to a fitness class or it could be all the way up to a membership to SPL. So we absolutely keep that into account and I appreciate what he said and we are mindful and fearful of that as well and that's why it is a delicate balance that we have to try and, and increase fees but we don't want to lose our community and so we have to be realistic and try to keep it at a reasonable rate so we understand that yeah thank you um, Amber Denville board member I would just say that um I think the purpose of you know having parks and rec one of the purposes is to have a healthier community, right? And so I like the idea of those people that you being rewarded for using more, right? Something that golfs three times a week, there should be something that incentivizes and helps make that less expensive overall. Something that plays pickleball and comes, and I just like that idea of the more you the more you come, the the bit to deeper discounts you can get. As a swimmer, I think I've always accepted that you have to pay a certain amount of money. So, I mean, the whole pay more, I kind of always buy the annual one because I know how many times I go to the pool. So, it fee-wise makes the most sense for me. So, I, I think, again, a swimming pool is very different than a, a gym, you know, but it is, you know, you could hit a place in life where charges become understood as long as it's reasonable. Again, I still... I, I like what you said, and I had never thought about it that way, but I, I really enjoy the fact that Lawrence does have everything is free. You know, I go home to where I come from, and it's very expensive. It ties into my thing. I, I want to know, now that we're doing the key fobs, who and how many people are coming outside of Lawrence, Kansas. And I do think one of the things we really should look at is if our services are that much better, we have that much better equipment, and we're having people come from out of our area, they should be paying a chunk more money than what we are paying. Hopefully that can do some offsetting, but I'd love to see those numbers as time goes on with the, the FOBs and if we can tell where people are coming from. And if, are they using our services or not in yeah. this county? Take a look at that. Awesome, thank you. Online board, any more comments and thoughts on what we've been going over? So then I know it's been asked of the board, do you want us to set up a, another committee or how did you want more engagement from us? I, I would like that. And so I rely, how do we usually do the task force? We haven't done one for a while, so I'll rely on Roger's guidance on that. Right. You know, we just can't have a quorum. Mm -hmm. So if there are individuals that want to participate um, I know, Amber, you had mentioned last meeting that you were not trying to put you, put you in that spot this week but or this month, but I know last month you said that you were willing to, to be a part of discussion. Um, and with all those ideas, <laughs> I think that's a good thing. Um, so, I mean, it's, you know, up to the board. We can have up to four people or in a cap four. Yeah, two more. Are there board members with expendable time that we could start another 
committee to really dive deep into this? We'll say the task force. Task that, force? And has an end. Task force, okay. <laughs> task force. So do we have some members interested in that? Maryland. From Maryland. <laughs> I'm interested in helping out. Uh, my time is limited between now and Christmas. So I don't know what the timeline is on all of this. Um, but if the activity that you're seeking is in January, then I would try to be more available for that. And maybe it can even be because of this time, like emails and just specific questions sent to people and generating ideas or discussion that way until well and the other the other thing that i think the pandemic has brought is zoom sure it makes it very easy to jump on and jump off but again schedules i understand that marilyn that we all can have a loaded schedule as well but technology is there and we might as well utilize it so what is our deadline can i defer to that and when are we allowing or when are we having the public engagement section also beyond this meeting? This was supposed to be the beginning of the public engagement. Okay. And so we were looking to take feedback to refine our fees because we're still $2 million short in 2023 to bring forward proposal in January at the advisory board meeting to set the fees in February. So between now and January 9th, we'd be looking at trying to do the bulk of this work. Uh, Jenny Becker Chair, so with the fact that this information came out Friday to the public, is that correct? Or when, when did this get released to the public? Okay. So I personally would, I think we need more public engagement than this weekend to this meeting today. So can we, along with having a task force, can there be, how can, how can I ask of you all, can we do more public engagement on this? Well, you know, but there's another question, though, whether the public engagement ought to be here or whether we're, we're going to be at a stage fairly soon where the public engagement ought to be with the city council. I mean, so the, the fees are set at the department level based on recommendations. So there isn't anything in city code that fees need to go to the city commission. Just saying that. So fees are based on recommendations of staff, not to say that we can't. But we also are looking at this gap is not going to get any smaller. So that we don't do fees in February. Let's say the fees are pushed back to March. We have a shorter time frame of trying to close that gap of $2 million. And so as a city, how, how do we balance this budget? Okay, well, well yeah. Gary, one thing that I'm thinking of, let, let me go back and talk to, to our community engagement team um, and kind of come up with that plan um, a little bit, put some, some thought into how to make that engagement happen during the holidays right, on top that's, of that. Right. That's the thing we're up against. To yes, January 9th. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so I don't I mean if you want me to, I can kind of work with Porter's group and yeah. figure out some some other avenues. 
Um, and we may call on the advisory board, you know, as as that board liaison with the community. I mean, you're the eyes and ears, but again, as these meetings are thing, you know, the engagements happen, um, it's always good to have other folks, you know, especially you, you that help us decide things be the eyes and ears as well. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. All right. So then, uh, Jackie Becker, Chair, in terms of the task force, we have Marilyn. Are you saying yes? Yeah. All right. Anybody else? Sorry. I mean, I would be, since this is kind of a fast timeline, I, I'm interested if there's no other interest. Let's get us a few people. Because again, I think Steve, who spoke earlier, talking about should fees be a last resort, and so I think it's important that we, you know, we're doing it now, but to make sure that we have overturned every stone, you know, make sure we've double checked everything. So when we look back to our community, we can say yes, we looked at everything. So. Concern members item is interest for the board beyond these. Anyone? This is just open things. Yeah, this is the open. This is the open time. This is the open time. <laughs> clarity. Well, um, I know some of you know this is my last because my term has ended. And I I just felt it was important to um Look through the lens of idea when you look at the, our advisory board too, and there's going to be a vacant spot, and you know who's not represented. And I and I I look around and and I think of youth, and in any way that I'm going to try to you know think of people, young people to that would be interested in, in making that commitment um, to to come and to apply for this. And might want to tweak it because they're young people, maybe a year, you know, or, you know, you might want to look at, you know, to what would be a reasonable commitment. But I just feel that um, I look around and I just think that there are some people missing at this So, but I'm also so grateful to have been part of this. I mean, I think you put it that it is, um, you know, it's a part of my health, my holistic health is part of the recreation. But it's also, um, it's a part of my community's health. So I really, it wasn't anything that was work. It was something that comes out of passion. And I know you all are here for that reason. So thank you all. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks. Much. Thanks so much. Marilyn, Andrea, John? Um, Marilyn Hall board member, just sort of an announcement. Um, some can conversation with the Layarda group is continuing and there's actually a meeting um this wednesday to um actually out on the on the loop to consider possible locations for some sort of a installation commemorating Layarda. so um if anybody's interested in attending that, I can give you the meeting info. Otherwise, I'll be there and I can report back. 
Thanks for that, Marilyn. Anyone else? Comments, thoughts, items of interest? Okay, then we're moving on to app, which is the other. And we start with communications and events. Thank you. Um, Roger Steinbrock, communications events manager. Um, I've been working with the transient guest tax grant program. We've had several meetings, and uh, Friday we allocated uh, $150,000 uh, of, well, the recommended uh, these uh, grants to be given out to 30, where there are 30 out actual applications for money, and 27, 27 of them got some sort of funding, um, is what they're recommending to the City Commission to approve at the December 20th um, meeting. Of the 30 uh, grant proposals that we had, they totaled three hundred sixty thousand three hundred dollars. So we're we're giving one hundred fifty thousand out. So a lot of needs aren't being met, but they are. I mean, the board did a a, re, a, a good job in in helping to distribute to make sure that um, allocations were distributed, and they really looked at some different local um, events and and. Uh, grant proposals that had probably um, a, a smaller amount. They funded a couple at 100% uh, because of the request and the way they did that. So um, that's what I've been working on. Um, in terms of other things, we had a sign rededication at Woody Park uh, on Friday as well. It was a busy day on Friday. Uh, and, and I don't know if you've been by, but, you know, look at the sign and there is a history of Elgin on there and his birthday was, he turned 134 years, he would have been 134 years old if he was still with us. Um, and so that was also neat, just reflections, you know, and as I was standing there, um, I, and I, I know it's taking more time, but I really looked at what was there, you know, as Camp Woody, helping uh, those folks that are in need of, of houses um, during that period of time. And, and as Bart, Little John, and even um, Elgin's grandson spoke, or yeah, yeah grandson spoke, grandson. yeah, grandson. yeah. He, the, the idea of helping community was a big piece to him and service. And I thought, what a great service that 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 space provided to the community, especially the community that is in need, and especially at this time of year. Um, it, it, I thought he would have smiled at the use of that park during that time. But now it's time, and, and we were reminded that 50 years ago next year is when it become it named for Woody Park. So maybe there's some things we can do to, you know, um, look at expanding or developing the park a little bit more um, in the future. Um, and, and to you, Pat, I've worked with you and I know that Mark and I are probably the ones that have been the longest lasting on here. I know that your work on this book right here, uh, the year that took out of your life, <laughs> the uh, master plan being on that steering committee, um, and, and even before that, your association with Ernie and, and everything, 
you know, and hearing your stories of getting up at 4 a.m. and running. And, and when I was a big runner and advocate, you always were inspiring to me to see just how much you lived an active, healthy lifestyle. And to me, that's what I've tried to do, too, in terms of, I, I know I don't look like it right now personally, but I looked at parks and recreation in many of the same ways about that wellness, being a lifelong wellness type person. I always think of lifelong learning. I come from an education background as well, but it is a holistic thing and you have to look at all those components. And I always think that you always brought that to the board in terms of the way that you process things. Um, your analytical mind, as well as your compassionate side, always had that nice balance. And so I just want to say I appreciate your thoughts um, that you've always had for the board and have always directed us in, in a way that, that was really about community. And I really value that. And it's going to be missed. But I know there are many other people around this table that, that have that same center. Um, but I just want you to know um, just how inspiring you've been to me. And you kept me running a lot longer because of your, you know, just hearing your story of, of going up and running as much as you've done. I mean, you've done tremendous amounts um, and, you know, more Iron Man, I think, in that what you were doing more of. And and I, I can never do that, but you inspired me to continue running a lot longer than I probably would have. But, so thank you for your, your example. Uh, not only of service, but also just your daily life that helps inspire people. So thank you. Yes, very well. And that's my report. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, moving on to parks with Mark Tucker. Yeah, on the park side, we're basically moving into the winter maintenance mode. So that's where we go through all of our mowing equipment, make sure everything's operational for the next year, switch to snow removal equipment, which nobody wants to talk about. But we have to be ready the first time the snow falls. We also get into a lot of maintaining the uh, outdoor lights we have up. So that's an everyday occurrence where we go through and say what's not working and why. So that works, chasing the leaves, getting ball diamonds prepped for next year's season. So there's a lot of winter things we're working on right now. At the administrative side, we're, we're transitioning both the HR management system this year is going to be a new system going into next year and our financial system is switching over. So that's a huge change for everyone from the managers on up trying to say, okay, here's where we're budgeting now, but that's going to be over there now. A whole different set of numbers, but we can't lose money going from here to here. So that's something that's consuming a lot of staff time right now. But anyway, that's just generally what we're working on. But a lot of winter projects, and we're prepping CIP projects for next year. Any questions, comments for that? Okay, we can move on to recreation. Lindsay Hart, Assistant Director. Most everything was in the recreation report, so I don't have too much to add. I just want to say we had a great turnout at the SPL holiday extravaganza, which was about a week ago. Uh, the, they had over 200 vendors, and they were able to expand back onto three courts, so it was really good to see that. They had a great turnout, and I was able to come visit in the Place was packed. It's hard to find a parking spot. So um, anyway, we've had some fun holiday events. The Nature Center also had one that evening and had over 300 people attend. Wow. And so uh, we're, you know, we're really excited about some of the momentum we're bringing back for some special events. And so that's that's been really neat to see. And that's all I ended. It's really amazing how you guys um, 
cleaned up after the uh, event out there at the sports complex. And it was like the next day, it's like nothing. <laughs> Being able to pick, you know, right. very important things for sure. So, any more questions or comments for Lindsay? Oops. And moving on to the director report. Um, we did the uh, Santa got rescued, so we're good this year. <laughs> and uh, we did the old fashioned horse parade, and that went off without a hitch. And I think that one was very smooth. Went off. No pun intended. Thank you. <laughs> Um, a mistake of identity we're presenting tomorrow in coordination with uh, municipal services organization that's more of gateways of Lawrence that's in our 2040 plan and it also deals with aesthetics and design of bridges and architectural designs and what could a gateway be and so we're, we're having that discussion and they're talking about there's going to be a double diamond um, intersection at six and the uh, uh, Lawrence Trafficway. So that's not going to be a new bridge, but it is going to be unique. So that's coming. And should there be a welcome sign to Lawrence or structure or sculpture or something? And then at the uh, sports complex at that intersection of Wakarusa or 27th, where it intersects the Trafficway, which is a real problem area, there will be some money. So KDOT gets money for aesthetics. And so that one might have some dollars that the city could match and do something as a game with aesthetics and designs and some other things. And then uh, they'll talk about Iowa and 59. Uh, I think they mentioned if you were paying attention, the loop, they talked about taking the loop over that street instead of under, which, and just behind, you know, in city staff talking that maybe that's probably a better location for a gateway on if that ends up being a, a grid crossing than the 59 highway. Um, it may get something with the city brand, new brand we rebranded. That's just City of Lawrence and Lights, and that might be all the KDOT funds or KDOT funds available. And then the discussion's been that somewhere to the east of Lawrence, between 23rd Street and the Lawrence Pathway, there probably ought to be something that says, hey, this is Lawrence. And we kind of miss out on that. And everybody says you door. And I need I don't leave Lawrence too often. So I need to go out and look at your door as a sign or whatever they've got. But I hear great things about it. So that's on tomorrow night. Uh, there'd be some KDOT speaking and Jake Baldwin. And I'm looking forward to that. And last but not least, thank you, Pat Phillips, for serving. I understand and, and appreciate the volunteer time of everybody on this board and the commitment and your insights and it's truly appreciated so thank you for all you've done for us over the years thanks Dad. Yeah. So, yeah. Right. you're getting cheers up there too so yeah as, as i said in my email to you pat i think i was in denial of you stepping down when i saw it first and i was like i'm not ready to respond to that not today but yes thank you for everything and coming onto this board after you you've always been this calming presence and this this kind of breath of fresh air that's like let's take a second to listen to what pat has to say because it's it's so honest and truthful and inspiring and really motivating to always think about community and i think you you lead that you know, your heart first with all of that. And so it's been just a pleasure to work with you too. Thank all you. these years on Parks and Rec Board. 
And with that said, we have two other members that have re-upped and mm -hmm. will be reappointed in yourself, as well as John Nelvani. So thank you for serving you. I did at 11 o'clock at night, but I, 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 just, I, I did. <laughs> so, and, uh, you know, thank you. I know putting this presentation together has been massive and has been a lot. And, and thank you for continuing to share information and engaging all of us and, and answering every single question. You know, there's lots more questions to be answered, but hopefully we can, you know, get, get that gap where it needs to be. So accountability-wise, you know, from a board perspective, we're pushing you to where we need to be going as a community. So um, hopefully everyone's enjoying the lights too. Yes. That's, that's one thing I'm gonna say. And that's been so much fun when they all appear and uh, brighten, brighten the downtown area. But um, calendar-wise, uh, make sure we're noticing that our next meeting is Monday, January 9th. And then the next one is Monday, February 13th. And then of course the LDC health presentation on Tuesday, February 28th. And I know you kind of did some talk on that yesterday. So do we need to talk about anything with that? Or we just okay. got together real quick and okay. made sure that he was clear on what our purpose was. Okay. And he says he's got all the info and it's gonna be a great presentation. So well, hopefully many of us can make that. And uh, I think it's gonna be an incredible I mean, I know it was the first time I heard it. It was a really big learning experience for me. So, right. And what time is it? One o'clock. One o'clock. And I put it on your agenda too, so it should be on there. Yeah, it's on the bottom of the sheet, John. Number three on the calendar. Oh, okay. But where is it? It's at the party. Oh, I switch I think we said the community building in the meeting last okay. last time, but it is the Carnegie is what I was told by Gail. Um, just a couple of things. Next month, we will be electing new um, chair and vice chair. So what we'll do is we'll open up the meeting with Jackie leading it. Um, typically, the chair doesn't change at this meeting. She'll Basically, the next meeting will be the last meeting that you chair, unless the board, the person that's elected wants to restart the meeting and do that that way. But usually we've just had continuity and we just continue on. So your full year ends at the end of next next Cut month. It. Okay. So I just um, did it early last because Barn right, got off earlier. Right, okay. Right, exactly. I'm a month ahead of schedule then. <laughs> <laughs> you, okay. You got it right. So um, that's the thing. The other thing I'm, I'm looking at is with Derek is kind of putting together the calendar for the year and earmarking certain dates or times there will be discussion. Similar because we know the CIP is something that comes up. I uh, know we have to have stuff in by March. So we probably will look at February. We need to do COMA, the Kansas Open Meetings Review as well. Um, and then maybe even fees and those types of things if we need to start, you know, you know, getting them on the calendar so the agenda is kind of has some earmarks for conversation. Um, you know, we're we're learning too as we we move to a different type of a board setting. In the past, this isn't the way the board has operated. And we're trying to, you know, to adjust and accommodate um, and really make the board active and, and helping us do the labors for the city as well. So. Well, then I'm looking for a motion to adjourn. I will make a motion. Amber board member, I will make a motion to adjourn. Yeah, I'm not a board member. I'll second that. All right. All those in favor of adjourning, say aye or raise your hand. Aye. <laughs>
Just over two hours. Uh, we are adjourned. Good job, everyone. Sorry, I missed those last few minutes. My battery went out. Anyway, that's where I was. <laughs>